Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Om Shanti, the time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate, but even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul the original, eternal, imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion. 
nationality or even a language. Ask yourself, how do you feel at this moment? Hello everyone, welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, that was letting go from Inclusion Revolution, Together with Love. We're in a time in which we need to know our neighbors, we need to even know ourselves, and we need to keep ourselves healthy, happy and wise. If we become too isolated, we could start to end up with a lot of waste and unnecessary thoughts that could lead us down a road in which we don't really know how well to recover from and then it can start to stimulate a ripple effect of many different unnecessary experiences for even those that are in our lives as well. I hope today finds you well and you're in a spirit of kindness and health and love. I know it can be a little difficult wondering what's going on on the planet, and maybe we can also feel a little powerless, wondering how can I step up and how can I be a part of the changes that we're in need of. Um, But first, I would like to invite everyone, start with your transformation inwards. You're all getting a call. Everyone is getting a feeling of something that they need to do for themselves first. And it's so important that we recognize the inner needs of our own spirit, the inner needs of our souls, the inner needs of our hearts, so that we can show up in the world as healthy citizens. Today, I'm really proud to welcome our next guest, Dr. Sholei Josue is a Bahamian-born Haitian-American author and physician. When he was 16 years old, he was sent from Haiti across the Caribbean Sea in a wooden boat to join his mother in South Florida after the death of his father. Now, 
While still an undocumented immigrant, Dr. Cholet earned a Bachelor's of Science degree in chemistry, but then spent the next six months at the University of Miami Law Library preparing to represent himself in the trial of his life, the quest to become a legal resident. He then went on to earn a medical degree and a residency in psychiatry. Today, Dr. Joe Sway practices medicine in Maryland with a functional and integrative approach and draws on his special interest in behavioral neurology and neuropsychiatry. His experiences as an American immigrant and a neuropsychiatrist have given him a unique insight into how individuals can use specific brain tools to create their best life. Now he's sharing these tools with the world. His new book is entitled 12 Unending Summers, A Memoir of an Immigrant Child. It's our pleasure to welcome to America Meditating Radio, Dr. Josue. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Jana. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for inviting me. Good morning. You're welcome. I'm from South Florida, too, and I remembered when the that rush of immigrants from Haiti, from Cuba, when they were all coming in and, you know, so many individuals were still so ignorant to recognizing the fact that these were still children of God saying that there were leadership in our country that weren't looking out for our best needs and things were not, you know, designed for our own survival or even for our own dignity, that we would go as far as getting into a wooden boat traveling across a sea. And it was not a boat like what Christopher Columbus had, by the way, Dr. Josue. It was not. (laughs) And yet, what was that like? Could you tell me? I know you were young, but do you remember what that was like? Does that memory still feel like it was yesterday? You know, to to be honest with you, I I try to block it because, Mm. you know, imagine I was, I grew up in what we called, if you call that in Haiti, a middle-class family. And Mm -hmm. we were fortunate enough to be able to eat, go to school. I went to the best schools in Haiti. And that afternoon, I remember I had planned to go play soccer with my cousin Will and eat some mangoes. And my uncle called me. Of course, you know, in the Haitian society, children, you don't don't answer questions. You you actually don't ask the adults what's my plan for the future. You just do what you told. Then he told me that I need to leave, and they're already waiting for me. The the most traumatic thing I remember was being in the southern part of the Bahamas. We encountered the fiercest storms like around 25, 30 foot waves. And mm. I that time, you know, I I grew up around a few feet from the sea. I'd never been on the ocean, and. It's basically you saw your life passing in front of you every second. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so, and how but, many people you know, were on the boat with you at that time? Do you remember? You know, it's kind of funny. It's not like a boat. It's a boat, wooden boat. It's not like the one that you see, like, without um, deck. We were, like, six. The way they did it, we were all supposed to be crew of the boat. We were six people, six, seven. And three of them were really people that I know from my hometown. So the boat really was empty going to Miami. Unfortunately, what we call it, to pick up, I call it trash from, from Miami to bring back to Haiti. So it was an empty boat. We had plenty of spaces to sleep in the cabinet rooms. We had plenty of spaces to sleep in. So it was an empty boat. In fact, the mechanic was a young man from my like, little circle of home. 
a neighborhood. So it was seven people, except my uncle. He sent me with that lady who was a family friend. So we were seven. Mm. Yeah. And why did your uncle send you on the boat? Was, was he feeling that there was no future for you in Haiti? You know, that's a big question because at 16, I was being, having been born in the Bahamas, I had my payment passport waiting for me at the Bahamian embassy in, in Port-au-Prince. He actually, he knew the boat's owner, and he thought that's the best way to send me in the care of someone. I couldn't have gone to the Bahamas by myself if I wanted, if I had the choice. I would have gone to the Bahamian embassy, get my passport, and go back to the Bahamas where I was born. But, you know, that's the plan he had for me. I would say, and my mom, I cannot say it's him only. But the goal was for me to, to go and join my mom. I, the plan was not for me to go, go to the Bahamas. So he thought that right. was the best way to send me. Well, look at what happened. You're now a contribution to this country. So you are definitely yeah. working on helping all of us to live our best lives. And you've said that people need to have mm-hmm. emotional intelligence. What is that exactly? You know, Sister Jana, what I realize when you get up, you need to live with the people around you. Emotionally, but you have to do that in a successful way so you can have successful relationships with yourself and other people. Emotional intelligence basically means to be aware of your own feelings and emotions and also being able to express them in a positive way. And that's the word, in a positive way, to decrease anxiety, to decrease conflict, and also to be able to handle interpersonal relationships with care and empathy towards others and yourself. We mm-hmm. cannot forget mm-hmm. yourself. Because the self, I believe self comes first. And I come to a conclusion seeing my patients. I realize that the pills that I give them while it helps a little, I realize every day they come in front of me, I feel medicine wanting because they have a lot of psychological issues that really the medications can only help, help so, so much. So I come to a conclusion that it's something that's required for every one of us to live a good life. Yes, it absolutely. It does. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine that you are actually walking your talk because you too are processing living your best life because earlier on in the conversation you were saying that it's not been always an easy life review to go back at 16 and try to figure out mm-hmm. how come your destiny or your faith brought you you know, into that narrative, and so I get that. So another critical tool that you say we need to incorporate into our way of thinking and being is critical thinking. How does this impact yeah. our overall well-being? Well, it's really extremely important for you to practice critical thinking because every day you get up, you need food, water, and shelter. People can only live, I'm breaking it down, people can only live 21 days for the strongest of us without food, water, and shelter meaning financial stability. You need those resources. You need good health. You need good people around you. Every day you get up, there are thousand decisions to make for you and your family. How do you make the best decision for that day, the most workable? Then critical thinking, it's a way of thinking where you don't, you don't simply accept all arguments and conclusions that comes before you that you expose. You take time to, do, to be deliberate to look at issues from all angles, but most importantly, Sister Jenna, is to leave room for doubting because we have to accept, admit that as human beings, we're inherently inadequate and imperfect. 
Therefore, we have to leave room for doubting, for future references mm-hmm. to correct the decisions that we make today. We, we're doing the best we can. You're doing the best right. you can, but you have to leave room for doubting. And if you leave room for doubting, then you can always correct and add on to what decisions you're making. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it does, it does, and the the fact that we need a lot more compassion for ourselves is also one of the other tools that you emphasize in living a good life, and that's not always easy for us, Dr. Josue, to actually live that self-compassionate way. How can self-compassion actually help us create the lives we want? Well, let me go back, look at, if I may go back to the development of the human brain. From the time we're growing, we're little kids, for better or for worse, we get some social cues that, that the brain becomes ingrained with, if you may call it, with guilt, remorse. We become aware of imperfection in life. And what I realized biologically, those things are ingrained early subconsciously. That's the a, that's a really most fascinating, fascinating thing I, I, I observed. Growing up, when we become adults, or when, even when we grow up as teenagers, as children, we have remorse, we have regrets. When we realize we're imperfect, then those feelings, Sister Jenna, they can make us don't like ourselves. We mm-hmm. don't feel we're good enough. Then we have to be able to, be, to treat ourselves like, like we would treat our best friends, to, to be easy on ourselves, because you encounter difficulty all the time. We, you encounter failures. People are getting up, you will encounter difficulties during the day to make decisions. Self-compassion asks you to be kind to yourself, to understand that human suffering is not only you. Human failure is not only you. Those are shared universal human conditions. And once you understand that, then you know, okay, I am doing the best I can, and it's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to not feeling that I'm just making the best decision. Then once you do that, then you can help. You can cope with regret, remorse. But most important thing, I realize, shame and guilt are two of the most crippling things that we, we go through. Then self-compassion, to have empathy, to have warmth toward ourselves, is what helps you carry the day to not to, mm. to make, you, make you feel paralyzed. I know. Yeah. I felt like it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I get that. In your new book, 12 on Ending Summers, you share your American immigrant success story. You know, we did talk about what the experience was like, you know, when you were younger. Maybe you couldn't even Mm -hmm. really articulate what you were going through. But how did that experience Mm -hmm. inform your current work in neuropsychiatry? When I got to Florida growing up, as I told you that, I left a pretty decent childhood. There was trouble looming ahead, but I was looking forward to talking to girls, playing soccer, hanging out with my friends. When I got to Florida, I had to ask myself, why did I have to leave my society? Why does some society do better than others? So I was going to, I was going to go into neurosurgery, and I started becoming interested in human behavior, the brain. So it led me to say, okay, I need to understand more about human brain, our behavior, the feelings, how we feel, and everything we're talking here, it's only one organ that allows us. And I have to admit, that led me to have more empathy towards other people, to be able to understand that 
was like to feel like the other. So that's what my experience in, in South Florida, having been felt like you were saying, that when we when we got when I got to Miami, the way Haitians were being treated, to know how you seen as a foreigner. But it, it helped me to have compassion towards the people who were saying or uh, calling us names. So that's really what led me to neuropsychiatry, which is brain-behavior relationship. It's always interesting how flowers can bloom out of tragedy, you know. A tsunami will come, yeah. you know, remove all the debris and all the stuff in its way, and after everything settles within six months, you can see the growth of something new. Which yeah. brain tools did you find helped you most when you faced your uphill battle to become an American citizen? Definitely. Self-compassion, all of three of them. I'll give you an example. I never told anyone that. Growing up in Florida, unfortunately, when you're undocumented, you always have fear behind your back that, you know, mm-hmm. something may happen that you may encounter the police. So I started using probability, which is critical thinking. I said, the less I'm in the street, if I go to work and go to a library, the less chance I have for something happen, I may end up with the police. So critical mm-hmm. thinking, I was using but the most important thing also is self-compassion. When you're 19, you're a teenager, you're 18, 19, you seek good things, to resist the temptations of not wanting nice things, to go and unfortunately do illegal things, I had to have self-compassion for myself to understand. This is where yeah. I am. This is where my family is. And, yeah, self-compassion, I had to use that too. When I was driving a raggedy car, to understand that education is my maybe my only savior. So yeah, yes. uh, I had to. Well, good for you because really it's true. Because growing up in South Florida myself, I mean, getting into drugs or seeing things, it was mm-hmm. just so easy. Especially if you were in a marginalized community, it was yeah. kind of the way that folks would try to get out of the situation that they were in. So let's talk a little bit about science. How can brain science mm-hmm. actually? help people to achieve emotional wellness, even when, you know, they've experienced incredibly challenging or traumatic life experiences, because as much as sometimes we know it's just a change of thought to move us beyond the challenge, that thought, Mm -hmm. you know, it's never very easy for that thought to take birth in the consciousness of the soul. And so Mm -hmm. is there something in which we can begin to identify where science can give us Mm -hmm. some support? Mm -hmm. You know, how does brain Mm -hmm. science actually help us? If you may allow me, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, I put myself in the shoes of the average patient that comes in before me. I ask myself, what tools can I give them to help them live the best life? So the way I see it is the interconnectedness, those three things we talked about self-compassion, emotional intelligence, critical thinking. But one thing comes first, Sister Jenna, is that the brain is actually, it's not abstract. It's actually an organ. That's where all those tools have to go to in order for for us to use them to get the resources we need. So for me, I see brain science as a way of you. One, we have to teach people how to maintain their brain health, physical and mental, we know now that all these processes come from information. And as you know, psychology or spiritually, that unfortunately when we're born, we acquire psychological deficits if you call trauma. So I see it that we need to have compassion ingrained 
start working with it in our brain to forgive ourselves of our hurt, our feelings, our failures, then we can deal with our remorse, regret. That's all part of brain science. Then if we can be able to like ourselves, we can use emotional intelligence to effectively have relationship with ourselves and other people, and we, you can make the best decision for yourself and your family, then those tools will allow you or us to get the resources you need to live the best life, which are financial stability, emotional mm-hmm. intelligence, and critical thinking. The reason I'm saying that is because people ask me, what makes me different what I'm saying? How do all these four, the three things are interconnected? They allow people to talk about self-compassion, different, separate from emotional intelligence and critical thinking. I come to realize having all three of these, and I've done it with my patients. In one month, Sister Jenna, they stop taking medication mm-hmm. because they now start coping with the stresses that they have, the anxiety, the guilt, especially women with children, the guilt that people feel to, I'm not doing the best I can. I'm not good enough. The moment my patients start dealing with the guilt, with the shame that they have and society bring up on themselves, then they start coping with them because what we do, we use medications for stress, which is, I do believe in medications. I'm a scientist. So that's the way I think we need to start teaching the average person how to use those tools, how to you maintain your brain health and physical, physically and mentally to live your best life. So on an individual level, Mm-hmm. We can see that emotional wellness helps us. If yes. you were to offer advice at an organizational, sociopolitical, or even worldwide level, would it be the same? Mm-hmm. I would say it yes, would be the right? Same. Yes. Yeah, it would yes, be the same because we have to change. Yes, because the individual, Sister Jaina, makes up the, the organization. So yes. the better I have compassion for myself, take a, take a family, my uncle. If I'm responsible for other people, the better I like myself, the more self-compassion I have towards myself, the more emotional intelligence I have, the more critical thinking I can use, the better I'll make decisions not only for myself, for the organizations, and not only that, for future generations to come. So I think it's become, it becomes paramount that we teach the average individual and people in organizations who are leaders, self-compassion should be at the heart and emotional intelligence. Because the more I, as a leader, and especially now, more than ever, one person has so much impact on millions, billions of people. And with dwindling resources, with seemingly challenges we're facing in the world, the UN, organizations, leaders need to learn self-compassion and emotional intelligence. That way mm-hmm. they can make better decisions for themselves and other people. I don't know mm. if Yes, it does. Tell us a little bit about the mm-hmm. new work that you've been doing with forecasting. How can the brain tools that you've outlined help to predict, let's say, future behavior at the individual, organizational, and global levels? Okay, so it starts with human behavior is almost the same. It's kind of prominently the same for, for all time because we have the same wants and needs. We want to be acknowledged. We need to be filled love. We need food, water, and shelter. And so if you understand the geopolitical forces, the politics of how we allocate food, water, resources that we need to live, then given that 
we know what human behaviors are, then you can make better decisions for the future if you have more self-compassion, you work on yourself by having emotional intelligence. Then that way, as a leader, you can make better decisions. You can be assured that your decisions for the future will be better if you work on having compassion, emotional intelligence, plus adding on understanding the issues in an objective way, not for yourself only. Because the key is really self-compassion. It actually triggers you to understand that human suffering is universal. It's not only you, to have empathy towards others. The world would be a whole lot better if leaders who are making decisions really understand that the same way they suffer their family, that other people also suffer for them to have empathy towards uh, other people, even for future generations, to live things for not only for today, for future generations. So I feel like forecasting, is, if we can do that, leaders, we can teach leaders to do that, then we can be assured those decisions about global warming, water resource, water shortage, will be, future generations will be able to have them there to, to live their lives. Beautiful, beautiful. So tell us about are there any, are you planning to do any book signing, a book tour? I am planning to be do some book signing in the DMV, and I, but first I'm inviting uh, your listener to check my website, drjoesway.com. Uh, I'm there, then I plan now. I'm going actually. I'm going to the Boys and Girls Club in South Florida Susanna, to do some talk to them because I'm. I've heard I'm the biggest success of the Boys and Girls Club in South Florida, which I'm really proud mm-hmm. of. And so, but I'll be doing things in the DMV. The best way I can let your listeners know is to reach me to my website, and they can know about my future plans. That's beautiful. Please uh, look mm-hmm. up for my wonderful sister, Marianne. I, I think she has a lot of work there at the Boys and Girls Club in, in Florida. So listen, I love your work. I love your spirit. You seem to be in a really good place, and it's our you know purest wishes that you continue to thrive. Yeah, thank you, Sister Jenna. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed to you Same and, here. And, Hope to see you at the um, Meditation okay. Museum soon. I will. I will pass by. Thank you. Have a great day. Fantastic. All the very best. Okay. 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 Thank you. Bye-bye. So lovely, huh? What a wonderful uh, character because, you know, you're thinking about out of debris or broken pieces. Uh, it's interesting how his critical thinking protected him, where he was able to definitely use his time in a worthwhile way, and look what he's doing today. So please, any of you out there that are just wondering about, you know, where your life's going to go, it's okay if you make a commitment to a few years of hard work, dedication, study, and focus, because after a while it does pay off. I believe in that wholeheartedly. So remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So we need to turn up the volume on that a lot more every moment and every chance we get. And please feel free to come by and see us at the Meditation Museum in Silver Spring or in Tyson's Corner. We'd love to have you. We've got a lot of wonderful events happening. Last year alone, we had over 300 programs. So you're missing a lot. Who would have thought that sitting down and meditating would have created so much wonder? Well, it does. Well, it does. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook or on Twitter. And please take care of yourselves and be easy. Here's Carmen Lundy on Grace. All right. Take care. Have walked 
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.